the ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. Who's winning the streaming awards? For CMOs, the question is probably a bit premature. While not exactly novel, streaming is still facing some growing pains and the inevitable shakeout in the marketplace as the number of streaming services decreases. So long, Quibi. We hardly knew you. But make no mistake, streaming has already flipped the script, fundamentally changing what people watch and giving the $70 billion TV advertising market a run for its money. The pandemic has accelerated the pace of change as more and more consumers cut the cord from traditional cable services. Streaming now reaches about four-fifths of U.S. households, according to Statista. The market is certainly getting frothy. In the last two years, Disney Plus and HBO Max joined the fray, going up against heavyweights like Amazon Prime, Hulu, and the lord of the manor, Netflix, which currently has roughly 214 million subscribers. But just a few weeks ago, Digital TV Research dropped a report saying Disney Plus will reach more subscribers than Netflix by 2025. We'll see. Streaming was initially predicated on being ad-free, but advertising models emerged fairly quickly and will probably become an even more significant part of the mix as penetration rates grow. After all, who's going to pay for the endless supply of content streaming offers and to increasingly diverse and niche audiences? Flourishing media companies cannot live by subscription alone. The rise of streaming changes the calculus for CMOs, providing access to first-party data and spurring marketers to think of more imaginative ways to thread their brands into stories, as opposed to traditional product placement. What's more, streaming is yet another excuse for marketing organizations to dismantle their silos to ensure that media buying is consistent across any screen, regardless of the platform, and that the investments are providing solid returns. Here to discuss streaming and what CMOs need to know are DJ Pereira, Director of Media Center of Excellence at Barringer Ingelheim, and David Spencer, Manager, Emerging Media and Partnerships at GM. Welcome to you both. David, I'd like to begin with you. What's the overall state of streaming for CMOs right now? Thanks, Matthew, and thanks for having me on, and welcome, DJ, as well. It's good to be here and talking about this important topic. For this question, I would say that we have to distinguish between consumers and advertisers. For consumers, it's full speed ahead. You, everything that you mentioned, Matthew, is all about consumers and, and growth of subscriptions and, and growth of the different options that are available. For advertisers, it's a very different story. I would say that the overall state for advertisers is, while growing, still has a number of challenges in place before we get to a point where it's well-established. There's massive, massive potential in the area of streaming, but it's still largely untapped between technology limitations, which I know we're going to get into some of these things throughout this podcast, but technology limitations, advertising formats, frequency, all things that are measurement, all things that are kind of critical for the growth to reach significant levels for advertisers. Talk to some of those challenges. And if we could follow this to a potentially logical conclusion, what are the major benefits for advertisers as the uh, space grows? So the challenge is, you know, I would start with measurement. And measurement 
is not only an, an issue in linear television, but for a long time in linear television was never a problem. For a long time, for a number of decades, we had the standard of Nielsen that everyone in the industry used and everyone believed in the, the methodology used to calculate those statistics. For streaming, it's significantly more complicated because there's no one single source that delivers to us a metric that we can rely on to buy our advertising. You know, you have a series of silos within the streaming world where each of these streaming platforms has its own methodology, some willing to share, some will not willing to share to develop each area of measurement. And in order for us as advertisers to get a number that we feel confident in, we've got to aggregate five, six, seven different platforms to get to a single number, which in statistics is not a great way to go about math. So I would say that measurement is kind of a key piece that we need to figure out before we grow. Frequency is another area that is a big challenge for the streaming space. And that is we can control streaming within an individual platform. But again, we get to that fragmentation of platforms adds to that challenge to have one single unit of frequency across everything that we're doing. Some of the benefits, I would say that the targeting is more robust and we can, there's an ability to apply a layer of data to what we do in streaming in a way that we've never been able to do in linear television. And yes, we have, we've always applied data to what we're doing in terms of planning in television, but the actual application of that data in where in, within the platforms that we buy has never been possible until now where we have streaming and more data than ever before with each of these platforms that we can use for a more effective way to target the people that are most propensed to buy our products. And uh, we are going to come back to both ROI and some uh, specifics on ad targeting. So hold your thunder a little bit there, but <laughs> what is the trajectory of streaming versus linear, David? Is it moving, is it moving toward streaming commanding a growing portion of marketing budgets at the expense of traditional ad buys, or is it more of a dual track investing in both platforms concurrently and into the foreseeable future? So I would say yes to both of those, uh, only because I think that linear at a certain point is going to be streaming. Linear TV is kind of the method of delivery of the content and the advertising. Streaming is the future of that content delivery and advertising. So yes, streaming to some extent is coming at the expense of linear television, but the spending overall is going to remain the same for from a programming perspective, from a content perspective, from a channel perspective as it relates to television. Okay. DJ, what do you see as the biggest challenges for marketers with streaming, particularly with such a fragmented landscape, as David refers to, and a lack of common identifiers across different platforms? Thanks um, for having me, Matthew and David. It's good to see you again. You know, before I get into the challenges, let me just say that placing our ads where our audiences are viewing content is important to get our messages heard. So stream streaming TV is a necessary part of the media mix. That being said, 
You listed some of the challenges. The landscape is highly fragmented. There seems to be an ever-increasing list of networks and platforms providing streaming services, which likely overlaps audiences. The ad creative formats are getting even more diversified. And David, as you said, measurement is not standardized. Plus, there aren't any common universal identifiers across the platforms, so we just don't have transparency in audience reach, frequency, and attribution across all the platforms. And of course, I think we've all heard it, you know, fraud keeps propping up every now and then, every few months or so we hear about fraud in this space. So those are only a few of the challenges. I'm sure there are many more I'm not listing. Okay. Can we drill down a little bit for ad targeting strategies and how they differ to Linear TV and any anecdotal information would be much appreciated. Definitely. I think David said it. We can be much more specific in how we reach micro audiences in streaming TV. The fact is, though, from Linear, Linear TV is demo-based and date-part-based buying to achieve specific GRPs to break through. And honestly, even though we do use the media agency's tools to identify programming that's viewed by our specific audiences, the fact is Linear TV is still bought on demo and the ratings are what's guaranteed. For streaming TV, we just have so many more choices because of the amount of information that platforms have on their subscribers. Each platform can much more closely match our very specific audiences and micro audiences and serve our ads to them. So of course, you know, we're able to get much more seemingly performance-based in how we reach multiple variations of our larger audiences in streaming TV. And isn't, though, and isn't that going to become even more granular in terms of the targeting as the market develops? Completely. I mean, honestly, the more and more information that streaming platforms have on their subscribers, the more we can target down to, you know, 40 different variations of the type of audiences we're trying to reach. But then of course the question gets into the cost associated with that highly focused audience targeting. But how far is it, uh, DJ, until marketers and CMOs have to really be more selective in their spending with all these channels? And I do predict that there will be a shakeout, but for now, there seems to be, again, a, a bit of a saturation. Do marketers need to be practice more selectivity when it comes to uh, picking their channels? Honestly, yes. I think, you know, if you were to advertise in some of the largest ad-supported streaming platforms, you could theoretically achieve reach and scale for your specific audiences. It's kind of the way you look at, you know, programmatic TV buying. To mm -hmm. what degree does it really, the cost benefit analysis, where does the cost and the benefit really come into play? Are you willing to pay so much more for targeting in linear TV? That, that's the analogy I would use. There comes mm -hmm. a point where if you're gonna spend that level of targeting down to an audience, it begins to become cost prohibitive. And then you begin to wonder, is my message really becoming harder to achieve for a specific audience? Okay, David, what do you see as some of the unique targeting strategies for streaming? And can you give us a quick example from GM? 
Sure. We uh, here at GM, obviously one of the data or forms of data that is most important to us is what used to be known as Polk, now IHS Market, that has automobile registration data. They have a, an ability to apply that level of data at a household level. And if we can figure out by doing some sort of, you know, we like to use algorithms a lot in advertising by some sort of algorithm, what makes the most sense in terms of the registration, vehicle registrations, and at what point are they in the market or going to be in the market for buying a new vehicle? That's how we're going to develop our target. And then if we can take that target and apply it at a household level, in theory, we should be significantly more effective than just spray and pray where we're throwing an ad nationally across the country. Now, in reality, you need to have a, a little bit of a balance. As DJ pointed out, at what cost is that micro-targeting returning on your investment? There are areas where, areas I would call them blind spots in household level data where we don't have accurate enough data to say one way or another. And in those cases, we've got to have a much larger buy that provides an umbrella approach to make up for those households that we don't have that data available to us. Okay. And before we get into some specifics on ROI, uh, David, what's your educated guess on how long before some industry standards start to populate? 2022. I mean, we're already working on now what level of industry standards, that's a different kind of question, but we're already working on it through the ANA, developing a unique identifier across different television platforms. So that's an area that we're exploring right now and want to develop an industry standard that everyone can take and say, okay, we've got a starting point. And that starting point is going to evolve over the next five, 10 years, become more sophisticated, become more established. But for now, we need that starting point to build from. Okay. And with regard to ROI, a recent survey by Cadent found that nearly a third of brand marketers viewed cost as the key limitation to streaming advertising. But is it actually that expensive for what a brand gets in terms of enhanced first and third party audience data, as well as the average eCPM or cost per eyeballs compared to broadcast and cable buys? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, certainly there are... CPMs that are a little bit misaligned in streaming television that need to have a little bit of a market correction. And I think that will occur naturally, those that are, are simply too high. But cost isn't necessarily the main barrier at this point. I would say that scale and scale in an efficient way, building scale in an efficient way. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. The fragmentation of the landscape has made it very difficult to build that same level of scale that we can still get to some extent in linear television. You go into live sports and you're going to get a larger audience than 20 different streaming platforms. So that's still a, a barrier that is slowing the growth or would appear to be slower growth than maybe what's happening on the consumer side. The other barrier is, you know, the ad load is just not as, as big. So the opportunity to buy that exposure is more limited. And and that's intentional. That's by design. We can't have the same model that we had for 50 years in linear television because it's a different viewing experience. We've got to figure out, you know, how to make those two ends meet where we're developing potentially new ad formats 
that you're seeing it right now in some of the sports that have ads and skins appearing during the actual game, stuff that's been happening in Europe for years and globally for years. You know, that's the type of thing that are going to open things up a bit and allow advertisers to start to get to a similar level of scale that we're used to in linear television. Okay. Uh, DJ, how do you uh, view the uh, measurement frontier since streaming cannot be measured in the same way as mobile or desktop devices? What's your take? There are some measurement systems in place, right? So you can have, we have Nielsen DAR, Double Verify IAS, but it's extremely challenging, especially since CTV or streaming, it's comprised of platform specific ecosystems, which makes it almost impossible to measure and report in an automated fashion across all the platforms. And then you take that, you can't even measure across the entire video landscape. So there's no commonality. So measurement is a challenge. And then of course, everything gets even more complicated because we have this growing list of vendors who are offering non-standardized ad verification and measurement solutions. So ultimately, when it comes to measuring today, a large part of it is manual and time-consuming. It's a process that we have to work with our agency so they help us manually understand the full picture and then look to see how ads are performing and reaching specific audiences on a platform-by-platform basis, which, as you know, because we don't have transparency across all platforms, we really don't know what scale or frequency we're hitting in redundant audiences. So ultimately, measurement is extremely challenging. And I love, David, your optimism that we're going to have a unique way or a standardized way of measuring in 2022. I'm with you. Let's hope for it. I uh, think we, we will start and with the ANA backing this, it'll definitely help. I probably think within, David, you're right, it will start next year and probably over the next five years, we'll see something standardized. But measurement's a challenge and it will continue to be a challenge. And we still don't know a lot of what we don't know about how the platforms overlap each other. And when you talk about a lack of transparency, help me out here. Is it the Netflix and the Hulus of the world who are not being transparent or is it more industry-wide? What kind of sense do you get right now on the relationship overall between these net between these platforms and global advertisers? Well, Netflix is not ad-supported yet, right? So I'll leave them out of the mix right now. But if you look at the Hulus of the world, Hulu, Roku, which ones am I missing? Let's just stick with Hulu and Roku. They're in and of themselves an ecosystem. So Hulu will tell us everything that we need to know about audiences on their platform. Same, we will get the same from Roku. We'll get the same from other streaming ad-supported platforms. But the transparency is, we don't know across all platforms where the audiences are. And then even a transparency within a platform, we can give us the audiences we're going after and they can genre match or match against where those unique, unique audiences are. But it's not like they have a third party going in and auditing to verify that we're in fact reaching that exact audience. It really is a trust exercise. And quite frankly, the agency working with the platforms to ensure that as best they can, we are getting the targeting that we're looking for. But barring industry standards right now, the onus is on marketers to connect the dots. Yes, very much so. And while I would love to say the marketers are connecting the dots, um, I know that we aren't fully staffed. Many, many corporations aren't fully staffed to do that. So we rely on our agencies to do that work for us. 
And as we start to wrap up, I wanna get both of you to comment on the move from traditional ads to integration, which we sort of touched upon. And as you said, DJ, just a moment ago, some services are ad supported, but many streaming platforms still don't run commercials. So from an ad creative standpoint, how do brand managers approach integration when it comes to using streaming as a marketing vehicle? David, you first, and any illustrations here would be great. And uh, pardon my being a little gassy here, but is this sort of the stranger thingsification of advertising? Pardon the phrase. Yeah. So here's how I look at it and how we're approaching it at General Motors. Definitely greater ability for us at GM to leverage branded integration, branded content, whatever, whatever you want to call it, where we're getting product placement in television shows, working with producers, working further up the stream to get more natural integrations into the programming that makes sense, not just for the vehicles that we have, but also so our target audience and what they're watching. That being said, with the streaming world, as, as DJ mentioned, right now, uh, there are a number of streaming platforms that don't take ads, but that's not something that is sustainable for all platforms. It's an area that, you know, you pointed it out right at the start of the, the podcast, who's going to pay for all of, of this content, you know, and it's not consumers are only going to pay for so much. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of reaching a bit of a saturation point there where the number of options available to consumers has outgrown the appetite. And I think over the next several years, we're going to see some consolidation there. And, and I think that that's where we'll start to see where this ad supported model becomes a little bit more sophisticated, a little better standardized, um, and an opportunity for us as advertisers to do a, a, a nice balance of both that branded integration and branded content and advertising that makes sense. And if we can do just a little conjecture here, is it going to be a dynamic where there is a um, pivotal part of the story on streaming in which the brand either appears or is mentioned and is, again, very integral to how the story is flowing and unfolding in terms of plot and characterization, as opposed to a bottle of Coke on a table on a linear TV show? I mean, is that where this may be going or am I perhaps on the wrong track here with how this is going to shake out? I'll be interested to hear DJ's opinion on this, but my opinion is no, I don't think that that's realistic. That, yeah, I just think so that starts to put the focus in, in the wrong place. Okay. And the place that the focus needs to remain is and always will be on the consumer experience and what's best for the consumer and getting advertisers kind of integrated into the storyline in a natural way that, you know, delivers a message that the advertiser wants is not natural for the consumer. It never will be. Now, there will certainly be circumstances where the advertiser fits into the storyline naturally, but that's because that will be because that's how consumers live, not because that's how the advertiser wants the message delivered. So I still think that, yes, there are opportunities to get GM products placed naturally where they belong 
in streaming content, but naturally is the key word there. And we just want to make it easy. Hey, if it's an, a natural fit, let's get our vehicles put into the programming. In, in terms of threading that needle carefully without the appearance of the brand coming off as interruptive or, Correct. Inorganic, or inorganic to the story. Correct. Okay. DJ, what's your take? And should marketers be careful that brand, brand integration is not the same thing as traditional product placement and requires a different set of tools? I mean, I think understanding the difference and value of each is the first step, right? So I think, um, David, you said it perfectly when it becomes unnatural for the brand to be placed in a show, when it takes too much effort, when it disrupts the consumer experience. Of course, that's just not ideal. You know, product placement is awesome. We all saw Wayne's World, right? I think it was Wayne's World 16, where the different beverages were shown. <laughs> product placement is really just prop branding. So it's not necessarily an integral part of the plot. It's kind of like that Starbucks cup on that HBO series. Product placement is oftentimes much more subliminal. And brand integrations are very overt, where the brand, as you said, Matthew, it's woven into the storyline. And of course, there's still cases where brand integrations are subtle, but then they won't have the brand won't have recall. And then you begin to wonder what's the benefit of the cost we're spending if we're going to insert the brand there, right? So I think you mentioned in the very beginning, they're costly. Brand integrations can be costly, but the good thing, it's much like influencers. It can have a huge impact if the show of the character has a large influence with the audience you're trying to reach. So you can really leverage that credible voice of the show to win the hearts of hearts and minds of consumers in what would seem to be a more natural way than a 15th, third year, 62nd ad. However, you have to be careful because what can also lift you up can bring you down. If a show is perceived negatively, that character goes on or that the actor who plays that character goes on to do something off screen that is negative, the mm -hmm. brand can be impacted. We see that quite often in the world of influencers, which really is the, the show becoming the influencer for the brand. So I think approaching it with care and good balance is really what marketers need to weigh when they think of an integration versus a product placement. In terms of however circuitous the relationship between a morals clause and a contract and buying advertising, when you talk about, you know, character and, a, and he gets into trouble, I mean, is that, yeah. is that part of the thought process here? Yeah, of course. When you buy an ad on either streaming service or network linear TV, you're just buying the ad placement. Of course, you have brand safety rules in place, competitor separation, but the brand integration really is taking your brand and integrating it into that storyline. So you have to think of the values of the show, the values of the brand, how everything really is symbiotic and lifts both the brand and the show up together. Um, but yeah, they're very, very different. They're very different to just placing an ad versus placing the brand in the plot of the story. Okay, some very illuminating comments as we uh, wrap up here. But before we go, anything salient I may be missing here that uh, either of you would like to share with our listeners? David or DJ, anything uh, I may be missing here that's important in this equation? 
You know, I don't personally think you're missing anything. I think this is going to be a continued focus area for all marketers. We have to band together to get a common measurement scheme in place, a common identifier. So we really understand what's going on in the marketplace. And, you know, quite frankly, in the next few years, it'll be interesting to see how all the major networks with streaming services become streaming services, as David mentioned, it, it all will dovetail into one, right? And But then the danger is, will we be dealing with another set of wall gardens that mm-hmm. advertisers have to you know, wrangle with? And mm-hmm. then will we have a cross-platform, cross-screen measurement? It seems that, you know, if anything, marketers just need to be more vigilant, more involved, more informed, and more agile, which as it stands, we already have so much on our plate. It'd be great to see how the industry pushes for standardization. Okay. David, anything you'd like to add? Absolutely. My lasting thought or my parting thought is don't forget the consumer. You know, I mentioned it earlier in, we've got one shot at this, you know, we're in a position right now to develop an ecosystem that benefits the consumer and benefits the advertiser without harming the consumer. So, you know, we have to think about the consumer experience seriously as advertisers if we want to maintain this opportunity to um, gain an exposure to our target audiences. And so the ads that we build, the measurement that we put in place, the targeting that we seek and that is allowed within the television space all need to consider the consumer experience and, and and the respect of consumer privacy. And I think if we can respect that side of things, respect the consumer experience and try and provide an optimal consumer experience, everyone will win. Big thanks to our guest today, DJ Pereira, Director, Media Center of Excellence at Behringer Ingelheim, and David Spencer, Manager, Emerging Media and Partnerships at GM. Until next time, thanks for listening.